Good morning. Good morning, friends. And welcome to any guests who may be with us this morning. This morning, in light of Friday's tragic events, we will gather together and prayerfully pose our questions to God, our concerns, our complaints, and uh, seek his comfort and his peace. Pastor Jerry will be leading us through this time. Uh, but to begin with, as people are coming forward, still coming in, um, let's, let's just uh, begin this time with a, with a brief word of prayer and maybe a song, and we'll get settled before we begin. Would you pray with me? And so, God, we are here. Desperately in need of a sign from you. Desperately in need of your peace and your comfort to calm our anxious hearts that we may hear you, that we may see you in the midst of our chaos. In this hour, remind us again of your love and care. Remind us again of your faithfulness. Gird us that we may be faithful. We need you now. We need you now, Heavenly Father. As Don said uh, at the beginning of the service, we are going to frame this worship service a bit different than what we usually do. This has been an incredibly difficult couple of days for many in our area and many in this congregation. Death is always a reminder that evil and darkness are a part of our world, but the death of young people especially the way in which it occurred this week, reveals a darkness and pain that are almost too much to bear. 
As most of you know, these two young people who died this week in Zionsville were the nephew and the niece of Pastor Scott and Claire Shelton. They were the cousins of Jacob, Lexia, Graham, and Luke. Their mother, Stephanie, and father, Michael, have worshipped here before. Their grandmother, Mary Lou, oftentimes would sit right back there at the 9 o'clock service. But of course, there are many in our community who know this family. I heard from ZPCers who are staff in the Zionsville schools and who were trying to help their students come to grips with this unfathomable tragedy. Friends of Harrison and Shelby are wrestling with for perhaps the very first time. The realization of the vulnerability that is oftentimes lost on the young. And I know that when parents were going to pick up their children from ZMS on Friday afternoon, that it was a scene like they had never experienced before as they watched children, many of them weeping, experiencing a pain of innocence lost. As parents, we are faced with our own fears. We are a people who want to protect our children. What do we do in the midst of that? We are a people who want to help our children to flourish as much as we possibly can. Perhaps we move to this area in the hopes that that this would not be a place where evil or darkness would reveal itself. We We see the perfectly manicured lawns, the blue ribbon schools, and we believe that we are safe from the realities that so many others face. This tragedy, if we're honest, not only causes us to mourn for others, but for ourselves and our own children. As I thought about this, of course, this week, I realized that this was not the only tragedy that has been experienced. In two days, on Tuesday, in this very sanctuary, we'll have a funeral for Samantha Riedlinger, a 13-year-old who passed away this past week. When you look at your news feed, you see accidents in Tanzania that killed over 100. It doesn't take long to begin to hear story after story that reveal the harsh reality that this world is full of darkness and pain. These tragedies, even if they don't involve us directly, can bring their own grief because they remind us of our own times of struggle and pain. For some gathered here, these two young people's death beckons them back at a time when they faced the death of someone they loved who died far too young. Others will be reminded of the suicide of someone who was close to them, and the darkness of that time will immediately begin to flood their own thoughts. For others, it'll simply be a reminder that there are so many questions about this life and this world, about death and darkness and evil, that they cannot answer. And they will wonder yet again, how to make sense of it all. So yes, because of those reasons, we decided that this would be a worship service that is a bit different than what we typically do on Sunday mornings. We will not be looking at holiness, as is in your bulletin, as we were planning. If you want to give of your tithes and offerings, you're going to have to give them as you leave the place in baskets outside the door. The normal patterns of how we do things will not be the same. And yet, at the same time, there is a sense in which this will be exactly what we do every Sunday morning. Here at ZPC, we talk about the importance of our being a witness to the community around us. About how our lives may not be as perfect as we try and paint them to be to others. And as followers of God, we are encouraged not to act as if we have all the questions answered. 
We are continually reminded of who God is and of the reality that we are not God. And as humans, we are given permission to act not as if we are unbroken, to not pretend as if this world is made whole. The service will be like others because we have gathered together just like we do every Sunday morning. We do so because we believe that we cannot do this journey of faith alone. And While there may be those who take pride in thinking they can live alone, as followers of Jesus Christ, we heartily acknowledge that we were never created to live this life in isolation. Moments like these serve as stark reminders that our lives are not our own. That Jesus' forming of a community was not an afterthought, but a first thought. And finally, we gather together, as we always do on Sunday, to acknowledge our dependence on God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The book of Job, there is this powerful passage where Job attests that no matter how much he might suffer, no matter how many questions remain unanswered, no matter how much he might not understand, that he will continue to serve God. And so we gather this morning as a testimony to the reality that no matter what we might face, that we will continue to serve him. We serve him because we know that even amidst the darkness, the light of Christ continues to shine. And so we gather. We gather because, quite frankly, we don't know what else to do. We gather because we are a broken people. We gather because we live in a broken world. We gather because we are calling out to God. Let us pray. Eternal God, shepherd of your people, We feel the fleeting passage of life, and we know how fragile our existence is on this tiny planet amidst the vast galaxies. We confess with the prophet that all flesh is grass, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We also confess that the word of our God stands forever. And so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We look to you as frightened children look to their mother. You alone can comfort us. Have mercy on us, God. See our tears and hear our cries and lead all of us as pilgrims through this valley of death's shadow and into the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Shrivels in the sun and falls. 
like a flower that shrivels in the sun and falls. But the Forty-fourth Psalm, he begins by talking about the faithfulness of God and how he has seen God's faithfulness in the past with those who have gone before him. He gives praise to God. But then in about the middle of the passage, it becomes clear that he has begun to wonder where God has gone. It seems that perhaps God has turned his back on him. Until he gets to the very end. And he ends not on a high note, but he ends like this. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For we sink down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of of your steadfast love. Eli Wiesel, who was a Holocaust survivor, tells the story of a caretaker at a synagogue in Eastern Europe during World War II. The caretaker had many different roles, but one of those roles was he was to prepare the sanctuary for worship each day. And after it was prepared, and just before worship began, he had this line that he was to say with great confidence. This line was this. I have come to inform you, Master of the universe, that we are here. 
Day after day after day, he continued to say those words. But of course, day after day after day, there were fewer and fewer Jews in this small town who gathered for worship. And yet still, he would stand there and he would continue to say with great confidence, I have come to inform you, master of the universe, that we are here. But then one day he realized that he was the only one left. And so this time he stood and he whispered these words, I have come to inform you, master of the universe, that we are here. But then he continued, but where are you? Where are you? That question is a part of a long tradition in our faith. Of wondering in the midst of darkness where God has gone. The Psalms are full of these songs of lament that give voice to our pain and our questions. Sometimes we may feel as if we shouldn't ask those questions. Sometimes we may feel that we shouldn't have those feelings. We shouldn't scream out in anger as if God would question our loyalty in the midst of the evil that seems to surround us. And yet, with great intention and determination, these psalms of lament are not excluded from our scripture out of embarrassment or shame, but instead they are embedded right there in the middle of stories of God's wonder and miracles and blessings. Right there we hear these psalms of lament. There is no attempt by God No attempt by those who follow him to pretend that there will not be times when we scream out, How long, O Lord, will you hide your face? The truth is that there are no easy words that will bring a balm to the wounds that so many of us here and in our community and world are enduring. I have confessed to you all before that there have been many moments when I wish that I knew just the right words to speak that would bring peace to those who are mourning and joy to those who are suffering. But it is with great frequency that I realize that I have no words. And so in those moments, I often find myself going back to these psalms, taking at least some peace in the fact that there are so many times that those who have gone before us have often found words difficult to find. Even Paul In Romans, perhaps going through something where he also knew that he needed to find words. Says this. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs that are too deep. For words. Let us pray. God, on this morning we echo the prayer of the psalmists who ask, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but find no rest. 
Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not human, scorned by others, despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. And yet I know it was you who took me from the womb. You who kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help.
Romans 12, Paul writes these words. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Leslie Newbigin insightfully points out that when Jesus was on this earth, he did not write a book, but he formed a community. This is not, of course, to lessen in any way the importance of the Bible, but it is to remind us that when Jesus came to this earth, he did so with the full intention, not of just shaping one person or even a group of individuals, but forming a beloved community that is there to love one another, to care for one another, to laugh with one another, and to weep with one another. I have shared with you all before that the first time when I went to London many years ago, I stood alone on a bridge over the Thames River, and the adjacent bridge was the magnificent Tower Bridge. And the powerful light is emanating from the bridge. It pierced the dark and damp sky in such a breath taking way that the first thing I wanted to do was, was not to take a picture of it or to run home and write a journal about it or even just to stare at it any longer. The first thing I wanted to do was to find someone else to share this beauty with. I began to look to the left and to the right, desperate to find at least one more person who could see what an amazing sight this was. When you experience something so deeply in your core, there is something innate that makes us want to share that with others. We were created to share life. And if that is true in times of great joy, then it is certainly true in times of great pain. We rejoice with those who rejoice And we weep with those who weep. Sharing pain with one another doesn't mean that which brings us pain is no longer there. But it does mean that we are willing to help carry one another's burdens. And even when words cannot produce the peace or healing we so desire, our willingness to be present with others in the midst of their pain, rather than running away from the darkness, our willingness to do that tells them that they are not alone. It does not negate the pain. It does help them to ensure that the pain will not isolate them as so often occurs. When Jesus prayed at the prayer of Gethsemane, when he began to feel the weight of pain and darkness of what was to come at the cross, his one request, the only thing he asked of his disciples which they could not fulfill, was that they would stay awake with him so that he might not be alone. Surely, if the Son of God was in such need of others in in the time of his need, so too do we, in the midst of whatever darkness we may face, so too do we need others with whom we can weep. We gather together, not just so that we are not alone, but that we might carry one another's burdens, no matter how light or heavy.
those burdens may be. Let us pray. God, our creator, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our hands. Use healing touch to comfort sisters and brothers and children who are afraid. We offer our eyes and ears. May we see and hear the signs and stories of those who grieve. We offer our hearts and our tears as their hurt and sorrow echo within us. May we be healed as we embrace each other. We offer our faith, our hope, our love, and we pray that our encounters with darkness will bring us closer to you and to one another. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief for pain. Leave to thy God.
Gospel of John begins like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. From its very beginning, the Gospel of John makes it very clear that God was not surprised by the darkness of our world. What God promises us is not that we will never face darkness, but that he will be the light in the midst of those shadows. The 23rd Psalm proclaims it with great confidence that we need not have fear. Not because we will never face the valley of the shadow of death, but that in the very midst of that valley, that God will be with us. So often we relegate the words Emmanuel, God, with us to the Christmas season when carols are sung into the cold air and when the smell of gingerbread wafts into our houses. And yet, perhaps, Emmanuel, God, with us is most poignant and most important in times when joy seems so difficult to come by. What we need in times like these is not an attempt to hide from the darkness, but an opportunity to embrace the light, Emmanuel, who shines in the darkness and is not overcome by it. What we need is to never forget that death and darkness do not and will not ever have the final word. Death and darkness do not and will not ever have the final word. 
Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. We gather together on mornings like this and in moments like these. We do so not just to allow us space to ask questions and to be upset or angry, though we certainly do it for that. We don't do it just so that we can be with others, though we certainly do it for that. But we do so as well to remind one another of the reality that we follow the light of the world. And no matter what darkness we might be facing, and no matter where it is that people may be facing that darkness, that the light of Jesus Christ will never be extinguished. Our hope and the hope of the world is found in the one who did not flee death or evil, or darkness, but came here as a beautiful sign that we are never alone and that those things will never have the last word. Yes, until Jesus returns and his kingdom is fully realized on earth as it is in heaven, we will struggle. We will struggle with questions that have no easy answers and tragedies that offer no simple peace. Yes, we will still endure the brokenness of sin and the darkness of death. But we do not do so alone. We do so with the creator of the world who so loved us that he sent his son, Emmanuel, God with us, who walks with us, who embraces us, who weeps with us, and who refuses to allow us to face the darkness alone. My hope and my prayer, sisters and brothers in Christ, is that on this day and in the days to come, that we may feel the embrace of Christ's light and love. And that as we do so, that we would reflect that same light into our darkened world. That in a time when those in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our country, and in our world wrestle with darkness or despair, that we might bring hope to those who are afraid that that hope is not to be found. That we would bring peace to those for whom physical and emotional war abounds. That we would bring healing to those who are afflicted and in pain. Until the day... John so beautifully describes in Revelation 21. See, John says, the home of God is among mortals. and He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For those things have passed away. May those words, may this faith carry us until that beautiful and redemptive day. Amen. This morning in our final prayer, I am going to ask that you would participate with me. And at the end of each section of the prayer, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and if you will please say, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray. God, we have gathered here this morning not because we understand all of the evil and darkness we are facing, but because we know that we cannot face these things without you. 
And so we come today with our questions, our pain, our anger, our sadness, and we lay them at your feet, knowing that you will help us to bear those things. Lord, in your mercy. We pray on this day for the families of Harrison, Shelby, and Michael, as they face yet another day of bewilderment, shock, and loss. We pray that in this time you would surround them with your comfort and in the midst of questions with no answers that they would know that they are not alone. We pray for the family of Samantha, for all the families across the globe, Lord, whose tragedies we may never know. We pray that they would feel your presence, Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our covenant children, for the ones that you have called us to love and protect and nurture and who are now exposed to the evils that we so desire to shelter them from. And we pray that just as your son Jesus held children close to him so long ago, that even now you would hold them close to you. In this time of anxiety, fear, and pain, may they feel your peace which transcends all human understanding. Lord, in your mercy. We pray as well, Lord, for us as parents, that we would know how to answer questions in ways that are gentle and honest. We pray that you would be with teachers and administrators, Lord, who must discern how best to lead students in this time. We pray that you would give them energy, wisdom, understanding, and love. Lord, in your mercy. We pray, Lord, for the police and other first responders who journey into dark and tumultuous places in order to bring peace. For those who have to see things no one should have to see and who awaken in their slumber to images they cannot erase. We pray that you would remind them that you are there as their protector and that your spirit of peace would give them rest. Be with their families, Lord, who encourage and support them, but who also endure their stress and strain. Keep them from harm. Lord, in your mercy. We pray, God, for all those who suffer from addictions that seem beyond their grasp to control, For those who suffer mentally and find clarity and hope difficult to attain. For those for whom thoughts of suicide they are unable to suppress. Settle their hearts and their minds. Provide for them those who can come alongside of them in their journey. Remind them of your love for them and their worth to you as their children. Lord, in your mercy... We pray, God, creator of the universe, that you would forgive us. Forgive us for the many times that we hear of pain and tragedy across our city or across the world, and we give little thought because it does not affect us directly or because those who are afflicted do not look like us or live in homes like ours. Give us hearts that break at what breaks yours whether those things are nearby or far away. And as the light of the world, we ask of you, we beg of you, that your light would pierce even the darkest of places. Give us the strength, clarity, and courage to reflect that light wherever we go, that others may know that because of you, there is always hope. Lord, in your mercy. And as your gathered people, we come together, Lord, and say the prayer that you taught us, Lord, for it is the prayer that always reminds us that your kingdom is coming. And so we say that prayer together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
Many of you have asked me how Pastor Scott is doing, how is Claire, how are Stephanie. I know you didn't want me to have you come up here. <laughs> we love you. Why don't we say a prayer over Scott right now? God, we thank you for this brother in Christ. We thank you for all of this family. And we know that they are enduring something, Lord, that most of us could not fathom. And so I pray that they would know, Lord, that we are here, that we love them, and that as best we can, that we will carry, or help them to carry this burden. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust that we are not alone, but that you are here with us. May your peace rest upon us, upon all of the family in this time. We pray that you would be with them, not just today, Lord, but in the days and weeks and months ahead. That your light would shine in the midst of that darkness. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. We love you. Sisters and brothers in Christ, do you want to say something? Well. I'm not going to give you this because that would uh, that would just be weird. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, I was just staying here for all of Shelby and Harrison's family, not just for myself. I don't like a lot of focus on me, but just for um, Stephanie's mother, Mary Lou, and for Stephanie and for all the family. I just want to say it's not just me. So pray, please pray for all of them and, and uh, be with them and for Michael's family as well. That's all. I want to say. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Sisters and brothers, if you feel like you would like prayer, I invite you to go over to the cross. There will be people who are praying there. And I hope and pray that you will remember amidst this, that you will remember Emmanuel, God is with us. And that we will be a people who continue to pray and to believe that, yes, the kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so in the midst of this darkness... Might we be able to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.